Okay, anybody there? Mr. Jeff, yes, I'm here. Yes, okay. So this is Jeff Sikarik. I'm back with podcast number 10. Today I've got Eli Martyr. He's coming in from Toronto. He's the creator of the Free Melon Society, one of my favorite YouTube channels. He is a master of the fruitarian lifestyle, meaning he eats only what comes from the garden. Best way to go, in my opinion. He has done a 14-day coconut water cleanse, a seven-day dry fast, where he exercised daily. He has been a stuntman, an activist speaker, and in my opinion, nobody breaks down how to build your immune system naturally better than he does. Thanks for being here, sir. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much. It's uh, it's really an honor to be uh, invited onto your show and to be able to speak to your audience with you. So yeah, uh, many thanks, my man. Much appreciated. Okay, so what is the uh, what did I miss in your background? I'm sure I missed in a few things there. Fill in a blank, few blanks for me. Uh, let's see. My background. I mean, my background. Uh, just a, just a regular dude, just like everyone else. I uh, went to school. Went to. Uh, I've always been interested in health and fitness and whatnot. I was always an athlete, uh, so grew up doing. Gymna oh, you mentioned that I'm in film. And of course, yes, I've, I've been a stuntman for many years and working in film. And I was I was training for that occupation. I even knew it. Yeah, so when I was a, when I was young, when I was a kid, I started with gymnastics. And then um, that was kind of the foundation that I built everything on. And do all the different martial arts. Well, not all, but many. I did uh, Taekwondo for a number of years. Uh, I did Muay Thai for about four, four and a half years or so. Um, I dabbled in grappling and some military uh, self-defense, uh, some Krav Maga. Uh, I did wrestling in university and uh, in high school and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, just uh, was always very interested in fitness and well-being. Uh, in university, I, I, did, I studied kinesiology in university. And then got my got my degree. Um, however, most everything that was really important that I learned was after university, just on my own, just studying and collecting books. Because you know the stuff you learn in in school is. <laughs> I <laughs> don't want to put anyone off, but and I don't want to say completely useless, but I kind of do. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah, see. We'll see. Uh, I, I see your. Uh... <clears throat> On your videos, your bookshelf in the background matches, mirrors a lot of what I've read over the years. And oh, I found wonderful. the same thing. I mean, I went to college in the Midwest in America, and yeah. I'd say about, I'd say I will use maybe a tenth of what I learned. Most of what I uh, use on a daily basis can be found in my library, like the one you've got behind you in most of your videos. So exactly. I read... 30 years ago, I read the book Fit for Life, found out about natural hygiene, experimented with um, this, that, and the other diet, and I ended up where I am today, eating once a day, pretty much mostly raw. And in your case, how did you, I'm curious, when I look at your videos, how did you arrive at the extreme fasting and the, the uh, almost complete fruitarian way of doing it? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, I, I guess 
having having the interest that I that I did that I that I just described to you, um, it was. Uh, I mean, I, it started with just learning how the world worked, right? So I I, I came to the realization that. I, I really didn't know anything that really truly mattered when I during school and uh, and when I when I left school and it bothered me so I started I just I just told myself that listen I'm 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 not going to be stupid I don't want to be dumb I want to know the, about the world I live in and so I started just general background um, history. Uh, knowing about what events took place, uh, when and where, and all that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, I had the the um, include. So I started finding books on on health and wellness and fitness. But when you start getting into how the world works, you irrevocably come across information on what has been occluded from you and what has not been shown to you, and that started to become very interesting. And Amongst the things that were being kept from us, I, as I went on, uh, I realized that there were health, um, certain parameters and factors in health into the esoteric side of health and wellness, uh, the, the natural law, uh, the um, you know, and occult principles. So I got into all of these, and then eventually I found a couple great books uh, you're you're familiar with them a lot of people in the fruitarian movement are, are familiar with them uh, Arnold Eretz, uh book was was a very very good step to come across and all of his all of his books um, I rated the bibliography and just looked at all the sources that he used and started researching all of his source material uh, all the, the whole natural hygiene movement from the early 1800s and onward. Uh, it really does seem that if you want to find anything that is truly useful in terms of health and, and maintain and sustain health and vitality in the body, you really do have to go early 1900s and, and prior to the AMA and, uh, and all of the other kind of mainstream allopathic medical institutions start to take that stranglehold upon the truths of, uh, regarding health. So before yeah. that all started, you know, yeah, you know isn't that uh, isn't that interesting? And I'm similar yeah. in that I've got to know the truth. Something about yeah. me—it doesn't matter if I can do anything about it. I, I've got to know the truth. Mm -hmm. We now live mm -hmm. in a world where we want to know the truth. Maybe yeah. three, four, five percent of us, and the rest mm -hmm. of the world doesn't want to know anything about the truth. How, how does it feel <laughs> in Toronto to wake up? And tell me, give me some good news. I mean, are people walking around with the muzzles and just obeying every single little dictate? Or are they taking your advice and going into stores and telling people they're hypercapnia intolerant? <laughs> you know, um, in Toronto, we are, um, we're pretty lucky. We've had a lot. I, I'm working with a lot of uh, the protest groups in Toronto and um, just, have popped up in in response to this uh, this literal fear porn you know that that has just gripped the world and it is sad to see i think what really is distressing is how easily how so bloody easily was fooled by this and i mean i i'm convinced that if the news put out a in a report that said you know what you need to take bottles of mustard 
and coat your thumb in it and shove it right up your colon and walk around like that for your safety. I, I guarantee the same amount of people would be doing that that are just wearing masks absolutely everywhere they go, in stores, in the home, in the hallways, uh, in their own gardens, for God's sake, in the car. It's insane insane i'm I, i'm a little bit frustrated so I, I digressed a little bit from your question but you're asking yeah how are things going in toronto um it it, it things are going uh, i i see a lot of uh good people with the, their heads screwed on straight because i am in those circles I, I i work with and see a lot of those people uh, and interact with them uh, on Saturdays. So I'll give the names of the groups. We have Hugs Over Masks, which is doing fantastic work here in Toronto. So I've been um, helping and uh, cooperating with them as much as I can. Uh, Fearless Ontario is another uh, is another group doing the same type of thing, trying to uh, expose the lies, essentially. Um, Mad uh, Mothers uh, Mothers Against Distancing is another group that's uh, that's popped up. And there are a whole, uh, the line, uh, the line Canada. These are all groups that are invested in um, dispelling the myths about it, masks, mask wearing, uh, you know, uh, reclaiming freedom. Uh, these, these groups are against mandatory vaccinations. They're against um, all sorts of, um, you know, bureaucratic tyranny. And so, so that makes, I, I see a lot that makes me feel better. That makes me feel yeah. that I'm not the only one. Of course, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere in Cambodia. So uh, yeah. Yeah. that's not to say that I don't see my share of brainwashed mask wearers walking around. But oh, yeah. I'm a couple yeah. hours from the big city. Now, if I go to the big city and you mm -hmm. go to a mall or a grocery store, you're going to see it. Um, yes. But where I live, I don't have quite the exposure to it as a big city like Toronto. But that does make me feel better that you've got uh, a multitude of groups who are at least organized. Mm -hmm. Can you give me an idea? I mean, are they following your... Uh, first of all, maybe you could tell the audience your method of getting into a grocery store or mm -hmm. a restaurant, for example, without wearing the mask. And then yeah, tell sure. me what other things you're doing in terms of fighting back over there. Yeah. So um, one of the things that we're, we're doing, and this is kind of tying into what you, what you asked, like how things are going. One of the things they do, um, this is hugs over masks is every Saturday um, and not just every Saturday, actually every Sunday and not just in you know, uh, places popping up all over in the United States uh, across and across Canada about uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, Niagara, um, Winnipeg, uh, Guelph, everywhere. L lots of cities are doing the same thing. And we have these festivals, uh, festivals of life, essentially. Just these celebrations where people gather in the parks or in any public uh, public park. And we, we have uh, children are out playing with one another. Uh, nobody is is muzzled. Nobody is under the illusion that the, the muzzle confers any type of protection against you. You know, it's uh, it, it's really it's really funny. You know, we're we're told that we're in a pandemic, yet we have empty hospitals, which, which in a real pandemic. 
uh, I mean, nurses, for God's sake, are, are being laid off because there's just not enough activity in the hospitals, right? It, are it, you it's, telling me if overall deaths? Are you telling me if overall deaths are down, mm -hmm. you can't have a pandemic? You can't have a <laughs> pandemic when less people are dying. That, that would be logic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be just straight logic, wouldn't it? When when, uh, when the death rate is what l less than one percent. I, I'm sorry, but that is not a state of emergency. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but a state of emergency means that there's a just sounds emergency. There is none. Influenza, uh, seasonal influenza has had greater, if not on par, uh, death rates, infection rates every year. Right. So, like, there's no, nothing is different. Nothing has changed. The only thing that has changed is the amount of bamboozling propaganda that is being shoved down our throats in the media. If everyone threw out their TVs, or if not their TVs, but if they just disconnected the cable, <laughs> um, and maybe they were watching whatever YouTube or, or whatnot. Um, yeah. And see, they, there see, would be see, you just hit on something there. This is why I, I've had mm -hmm. Peggy all on the show. This is why I think the mask is so important and why they are yeah. so insistent worldwide on getting you to wear it. They know right. if people start walking around without it, they can yeah. no longer say, well, we, we flattened the curve because you had the mask on. If you, if you hadn't had the mask on, all hell would have right. broke loose, right? Which I can right. personally prove that's not the case. I went to the beach yesterday. Here, people, there's no social distancing. I mean, the only people wearing the mask are the police. And... It's basically, if this thing were real, you would have bodies all over the beach. Nobody's even That's sick right. anywhere, period, in Cambodia, even in the cities. So, yeah. however, now, if they can get you to agree to the mask, they can now take the credit for saying, yeah, well, it would have been a hell of a lot worse if uh, you weren't wearing your muzzle. Exactly. So, um, a couple things that have come up uh, is... is one of the things in America, it's probably the same in Canada. No store can make a policy. If you go into a, into a store and they say, well, it's our policy that you've got to wear a mask. No store can make a policy that violates established federal civil rights law. And you have a right to go into the store without your mask on because that you, you are protected under discrimination law. Uh, that's that's right. America. Also, they will often say, this is private property. We can do what we want. Actually, it is not private property, at least in America. Mm -hmm. It is classified restaurants, uh, grocery stores as what they call public accommodation. And they are subject right. to that federal law. Right. So I think your method, very non-confrontational of going in there and using the medical condition to get in, Seem to work very well for you. Can you can you give me some details to give the audience some details on how you do that? Yes, yes, I can. So at least in Toronto, um, written in the bylaw. So this is part and parcel of the bylaw itself. It's it's right. So you're not um, you're not getting around the law in any way uh, it, because it's it's right there um, in itself in in Toronto uh, for mandatory masks now. Uh, what they tell the um, employers and 
business owners is they simply tell them masks are mandatory. They, what they don't tell them is that there are exemptions. And as long you don't have to, written right in the bylaw, it states very, very clearly that they cannot bar you entrance. They can't uh, deny you access to the establishment if you um, state your, your condition, state your medical condition. Okay. Now, you also, written in the bylaw, you do not have to provide your medical. Um, you Nobody with cancer is carrying around a cancer card. No one with heart disease is carrying around a heart disease card, right? No, it's, this is ridiculous. So no, they, they know that. And so it's written in the bylaw. No, you don't, you don't have to prove your medical condition, right? It, it would be silly to have to have that on hand. So um, now what the medical condition is, is it can be subjective. It, it, you know, if, some, if the mask causes you anxiety, for example, if it causes you consternation, um, if it causes you to have, <laughs> if it causes you any kind of acute immunosuppression or acute hypoxia, then that, can, that is your medical condition and that would prevent you from wearing a mask. Now, those things happen to anybody. <laughs> to a, if you're a human being, you get immunosuppressed when you, when you wear a tight-fitting cloth uh, mask over your face and you allow that to capture the CO2 and, and uh, aggregate and accumulate the CO2. And it, it does actually put you in an in acute immunosuppressed state. So you can, you, and now things have got the point where most places, I'm going to say most places do not enforce the mandatory mask thing. They say it, they put up posters and they put up signage saying masks are mandatory. But if you just walk in and the security guard stops you okay and says you have to wear a mask I, last um several weeks maybe to even a month have said as little as i can't i'm sorry i can't and and i'm just very sure about myself and just and saying matter of factly no i can't wear a mask and uh they say oh you, you can't and I'm like yeah sorry and then I, and then i walk in Nobody stops me. Nobody. Now, if they press me further, then I would simply say, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I just can't wear it. I'm just, I'm just, I'm very pleasant about it. I'm not, I'm not confrontational. I don't like right reach, you know, my pocket and pull out the bylaw, which I carry with me just in case, you know, the security guards are really stubborn and they need to see that I, the law is actually on my side. Um, I only I would only have to do that if they're really stubborn. But that almost never happens. The isn't, thing is, isn't that most isn't that interesting that all it takes it's kind of a good metaphor for what's going on generally. In other words, right. you walk into the store, you haven't had much of any problems. Um, mm -hmm. All it takes is you saying, "I'm not going to do that." In other words, yeah. they need exactly. our consent to make any of this real. The right. psychopath they've got in um, New York said it, and they, they quickly, this is last month, I think, quickly deleted it from YouTube. He said in a press yeah. conference, yeah, everything, everything we're doing is pretty much voluntary, state, local, federal. We don't have the, the wherewithal to stop these people yeah. from living their lives if they want to. We are doing this <laughs> to ourselves. So that, that's exactly. why. The, and if you can get um, some organization and people to realize that you don't have to wear the mask, 
then they may start yeah. asking other questions like, well, if I don't have right. to wear the mask, nobody's sick, then why would I want to take this vaccine when I don't even feel sick? See, it's a, it's mm-hmm. the elite, so to speak. It's a downhill, slippery slope. If exactly. People to win the mask battle. That's why that's so important. But the average person, forget about talking about the average person. They don't want to know. I've got to know. You've got to know. Some people yeah. just out. They're going to go with the flow, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, and so, know, I, so, so while I'm thinking of it, we, we saw the massive protests in Germany. That's great. I love to see yeah. large gatherings of people wherever possible against stuff like this. My question is, I can't help but ask the question, do you get all excited at a protest and then everybody goes home and wakes up the the next morning and the lockstep document is still moving forward, the infrastructure is still being laid out, Gavi is still getting thrown however many billions by um, the administration in the United States, Nothing has changed. In order to get something to change, it cannot just be protests. Or am I wrong about right. that? Yeah. No. No. I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, it the the protests are uh, are a stepping stone, right? They are what they are. And uh, these these now in Toronto, these Saturday gatherings and Sunday gatherings, and not just in Toronto, uh, like I said before, all, all across Canada, these things are popping up. Lots of different cities are doing these same types of festivals. But what they are is um, they are a wake up call to people, a, a rallying call to get people to recognize and realize, holy smokes, yeah, we are being lied to. There is no danger. And th- what that does is it allows people the confidence and the comfort to be able to take that step so that they can start to say no. The protests are important, right? But what is really important is that the protests garner enough courage in people so that when push starts to come to shove, we have the strength and knowledge to be able to say no and and back up our no with uh, with reason, okay. So and and it's the same thing that it has always been. Just flat out saying no. That is really the only <laughs> defense. Now saying no may be dangerous in 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 the sense that um, the the they might come after you, but really in the end. It's the only thing that uh, that we can do in defense of ourselves and our and our rights and our freedoms in the face of tyranny. Um, so yeah, when you know when after we we do these gatherings and it's amazing, you know everyone's happy and smiling and hugging each other and and having fun. The children are playing. Uh, it, this it's just the most amazing atmosphere. I mean, it, it, can you imagine that in twenty 2020- twenty? a special gathering on Saturday for you to see normal people who are not terrified out of their minds over absolutely nothing. That is amazing to me. And so when you go back home after these gatherings um, and you go back into, you know, uh, crazy land, 
Yeah, it's a little it's a little frustrating. You know, you go to the mall and I'll be walking around and literally nobody, absolutely zero people are are maskless. I'll be the only one. Um and 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 this goes for all the other people that uh, that take part in these in these uh festivals, right? They're they're go to their local shops or wherever and they're the only ones that aren't wearing masks. And um it, it yeah, it's it, it's frustrating, but it's growing. It's a growing movement. And I mean, just look at YouTube. Look at this channel. Look what we're doing right now. We're, we're talking about it. We're reaching people. We're telling them that there's nothing to fear. We're reassuring them. Um, hundreds of people are doing the exact same thing. YouTube is saturated with, with doctors and professionals and healthcare workers all, you know, uh, spilling the beans on this, on this nonsense. So it, it, it's, it's reassuring. It's to know that we're, we're not the only ones, right? Lots of people are doing this, but, uh, you know, we, we need a bit more time for those numbers to swell to the point where you get to the tipping point, right? And right. I don't think we're at that tipping point yet, but uh, the progress is, is very reassuring, though. That, that's for sure. I think letting people know that they are not completely isolated yeah. Not alone, yeah. that's a good purpose of the protest. Just the fact that you have a protest may somehow raise the collective consciousness. You know, what that's happened exactly. in Germany may go beyond uh, a level that we even understand to raise the collective consciousness. So I hope you're right on that. Um, you know, I also wanted to ask you, I watched your video a couple of times now on yeah. viruses and bacteria are necessary for life. And there's a couple of videos yeah. out there that I think are very important, but that mm. might be the first one that I give somebody who's been indoctrinated with the idea that, yeah, there's these scary germs out there and, and we need, <laughs> you know, we, we, we've got to, in order to be healthy, we've got to fight off these scary germs or, or we might, <laughs> that's going to happen. So if I yeah, were to yeah. come to you from that perspective, what, what would you say to me as, as a as a right. nervous commoner? Right, right, yeah. So, it, yeah, okay. So, if you're the nervous commoner, how do I approach this in a in a delicate way that is not so violently opposed to the belief system that they just kind of can't deal with it, and they're like, uh, and they just go back. What do you? How do you go about it? And this is. In the video, I use I, I really like to use analogy because analogy it helps to frame an idea in mind that makes in a way that makes sense. It, it's it's how children learn, uh, it, you know. So take a a matter that could be very complex and then making it very brutally simple. I think is the way not only children learn but the way adults learn. It's it's the best, you know. The, every, anything that you've learned that is sustained in your mind it's usually because it's a simple concept right so how would i approach that um i would start by saying okay you have to recognize that these viruses and bacteria that you're told are the enemy uh, they they do exist in your body at all times uh, in fact bacteria for example are one of the main digesters of food the food that you put into your mouth, right, every single day. If you didn't have bacteria, saturated 
your in your gut in your GI tract. If you didn't have these, you would have ne- you would have passed away a long time ago. You have these things in your body right now, um, and I would so that I think is the first step is knowing that even in a healthy state, these things are in every single tissue uh, of your body, and just like the poisoning of a fishbowl, the poisoning of the water in a fishbowl of the soil in the in the forest just like the poisoning of the air in in the air that we breathe when when we corrupt the environment within which an organism lives the organism must inevitably become sick and it's no different it's it's interesting how nature works mother nature works with a very particular formula that she applies to everything on the small scale and on the big scale an example would be skeletal systems. Let's look at skeletal systems. Yes, every single organism out there, well, not every, but um, many of the uh, complex life forms on planet Earth have a skeletal system. They're all different in shapes and sizes. Yes, of course, there's all these variations. But isn't it interesting to see that there are, there seems to be this general building block, a general formula with which Mother Nature has used to construct form. You can see skulls, arms, hip girdles, rib cages, uh, femurs, shin bones, right? Uh, shoulder blades, all of these common elements that are um, kind of like a common denominator amongst hundreds of species. So it's so interesting, right? You don't find radically different skeletal structures or, or um, building blocks or foundations. You see different expressions of them, but not different in um, base formulaic construction. Okay, now I'm getting on a little bit, but my point is that you know, nature uses this underlying formula to build everything. And uh, this is why I use the forest, the mushroom analogy, right? The fungal analogy in the forest and equated it to your body. Because when we look in nature and we park and we see uh, a dead tree, a fallen tree, and we see funguses growing all over it. And we, and we do not see the funguses growing all over healthy trees that are, that are full, of, um, full of vitality and life and nothing on them is dying. Well, why do we see the funguses on the dead and dying tree and not the living tree? And that's because the funguses are just part of nature. They are, they are the um, necessary counterpart to the dead and dying state of the tree. They simply grow into action when they have a, a job to do. When, when nature deems that it's necessary for the mushrooms to break down dead and dying material, they are employed and they do their job. And when they don't have that job anymore, they go back into the dormant state in the cells, uh, in, into the soil, into wherever it is they reside. And it's, the, it's much the same way in the human body. We have all of these viruses and bacteria in our body in a dormant state. But it is largely our responsibility in how we keep our body, how we keep that internal environment. So, you know, just like the air is poisoned and you get sick, just like the water is poisoned and the fish gets sick, just like the soil is poisoned and the tree gets sick. If we poison our environment internally through what we eat, through the stress that we have, through what we drink and through what we breathe, 
then we will be sick and we will be susceptible to disease, whereby those viruses and bacteria will pop out of hiding and they'll, they'll see all this acidic waste uh, elements in the body that we've subjected ourselves to and they'll clean them up. And then when their job is done, well, their job's done and then they go away. Right? And isn't, so, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting how it's, well, it's not even, I, I want to say it's brilliant. It's not even brilliant to get people to believe that the yeah, mushrooms are the bad guys. Essentially, the, the, the germ theory is your, your mm. from my understanding, you're telling people that, yeah, look, you've got these viruses and bacteria in you. Those are enemies to be feared. They're they the ones that are causing your distress. When in fact, right. as, you, as you just outlined with that example, they are called mm. into action to get rid of toxins, waste matter, things that would drag your body down if you, as a matter of fact, you would die if you didn't have these viruses and bacteria. So it really is kind of a sleight of hand and a trick to get people to believe that the garbage men of your body are there to do a job and they are not there bringing the garbage to your body. That's something that you did to yourself through bad diet. Uh, now we'll see what happens when they turn on 5g and when they get that all hooked up. And of course, if you, if you look at Wuhan or Italy, these are extremely polluted areas. So there's other things going on there to pollute the bodies of the people there. I don't think it's an accident that they started this narrative out of Wuhan shortly thereafter in Italy, two of the most polluted areas on earth with, uh, you know, in the case of Italy, with plenty of people in nursing homes and with pre-existing pre conditions. So right. you're dealing with a body that's already in a toxic state. And it's very oh, yeah. easy with a phony test to say, look, the, they've got all these exosomes. They've got all this, uh, this uh, I would call it the cleanup crew of your body. They've got all of that there. Um, right. I think that that it's very they chose the areas that that it was very easy to get the public to believe the story. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, and you know it's uh, and of course the the five G thing. The uh, I don't know if we can say that if we're going to get censored or not. So maybe I should avoid uh, saying that. But yeah, there um, th these are all there are there are many factors. There are many factors that go into and that uh, contribute to the overall health of the system. And of course, electromagnet the electromagnetic state uh, that a, an organism resides in is extremely important. Any, any, any change, any turbulence in the electromagnetic state uh, will result in a, a change that's felt by the organism. And so, you know, you, if you're living, you know, if you're just, you're Adam and Eve, just la, 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 you know, frolicking in the, in the field. And then all of a sudden someone erects, uh, not even a 5G tower, just any other Wi-Fi signal or whatnot. Um, their systems are not quite used to that and they might, they might react, right? They might respond. Their, their body is going to is going to feel that change and do something to either, live with it in harmony and correct itself 
or or not. But you don't want the not because that's a lack of adaptation. It's like uh, it's like a smoker. Um, smoking is not good for us. Yet, yet, our magical bodies are able to end the abuse by dulling the system, by deadening certain uh, nervous nervous pathways and certain other metabolic pathways that prevent us from just kind of recoiling and rejecting it every single time so that we can continue to do it and not be uncomfortable. It's, it seems like a counterintuitive thing. Like, why would our body do that? Why would it allow us to be comfortable and, you know, with, with something that's poison and your body is just acting in its best interest. It knows that this, it sees that this habit is recurring so it does what it needs to do in order to make you as comfortable as possible so that you can live with this abuse. But it doesn't mean it's a good thing. Yeah, you know, um, speaking of the speaking of the uh, I, I've looked at some of Tom Cowan's work, Tom, Thomas Cowan, MD. I'm sure yeah. you've seen a couple of the videos out there. He's yeah. made the contention yeah. that if you look back at the major pandemics that have occurred over the last couple hundred years, they all seem to coordinate with a change in the frequency around the earth. For example, during the so-called Spanish flu, you had the introduction of radar. Then I think during right. the Hong Kong flu, you had the introduction of, uh, excuse me, the, the, the Spanish flu, I think, was radio. Then the Hong Kong mm. flu was radar. And right. then, of course, you look at now Wuhan, China. They were the first, one of the first cities to have 5G fully installed. So yeah, you have to good. ask yourself, is that a coincidence? And I was willing right. to buy that, that maybe it was a coincidence. Then I saw last <laughs> week that a bunch of doctors had uh, up on PubMed, there was a... Hmm, there was a, a bunch of doctors that had a abstract up there, I guess they call it, and they had done some studies and found that, yeah, this this new um, weaponized airwave system creates right. the exact type of system, symptoms in somebody that are attributed to the killer germ. What are the odds of that? And then what are the right. odds that the next day, not even the next day, six, seven hours later, that PubMed article was withdrawn? No commentary, no nothing. <laughs> and I've never seen that, have you? Just plain withdrawn. So it's oh, hard yeah. to believe oh. that there's not something to the line of thinking, given the history and given the fact right. that that was immediately withdrawn, that there might be an impact to this stuff being turned on especially when it's actually flu season coming up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's so funny. I mean, just like you said um, in your audience, I'm sure is uh, no stranger to this, but ladies and gentlemen, I mean, we, we are up against uh, a massive coordinated attack on freedoms. And we have, we're being attacked from all of these different, um, facets all of these different avenues so many so many ways that we're being lied to so many ways that we're being deceived uh and so many ways that our health is is uh, is in jeopardy and 
yeah, so we've got all this electromagnetic uh, chaos going on all around us and then, you know, the lies that are associated with it. I, I think one of the things that I'd, I'd like to do is just reassure people, though. However, despite despite the amount of <laughs> of nonsense that we're getting, uh, you know, that we get bombarded with uh, in terms of what goes into our minds through the through the media and through the news and what goes into our bodies. Um, you, we have the power, even though, yes, there is this definitely this tangible relationship between, uh, you know, 5G or, uh, wireless, uh, wireless, um, radiation, electromagnetic changes that are very difficult for us on a personal level to control. And I think that people get really worried because it's like, well, I, I can't, I don't have any control of that. Right. So am I just going to be sick and I, and I don't have a choice. And that's where I'd like to say uh, to comfort people in saying, no, you you can fight against this, but it does require it does require a bit of maturity and responsibility to oneself to be able to discern um, what are actually the components that give you health and and what take away from it. And there is, you know, the idea that the germs uh, the individual germs that make up your body that are there now are the enemy to be waged war on. It's it's one of the most uh, insidious deceptions that has ever been pulled on mankind. Because, and here's the thing, if, if they can convince you that those are the enemy, these microscopic, you know, these microbes, these tiny little things that you cannot perceive with your own sense. Right. And it, it's so funny. They always use an enemy that is invisible to you. Right. And they do that so that you come up with the idea that the only line of defense against these things, these invisible things that they tell you are bad. The only way that you can defend yourself against them is if you put your faith into government, if you put your faith into the quote unquote health experts. Right. And they take care of you. It's only them with their professional education, right? With, with their higher, higher standards of knowledge and whatnot. It's only them that are responsible for your health, not you. That is the danger. And that is what they want you to believe by giving you this enemy that you cannot see, right? Because if it's, if, let's say if the enemy is just a, a bunch of robbers, for example, well, we know how to deal with that. We just take weapons and you know try to break into our houses then we defend ourselves god damn it right we just get rid of them that's easy but when the enemy is invisible now the deception can start right now we have to we, we can't do anything for ourselves so we got to put our faith in the government and those people that know better and that is the insidious plan it's to take responsibility away from yourself and put it in something that is external to yourself, that is exogenous to yourself. And that is, is the danger here. So out there, out there in the ether, <clears throat> unseen, wandering the earth are these devils and demons and interdimensional vampires. And what yes. we need is a so-called priest class to intervene between us and the dev devils and give us a protocol to protect ourselves against those devils. That's what they may have told you a couple thousand years ago. And really, when you look at it, has, has much changed? Yeah. No, nothing much has changed. That 
is so frustrating about this because you look back at history and when you start really start to get into it and you realize oh my god yes there is common you know history repeats itself and everyone has heard it but nobody recognizes it isn't it frustrating who who heard that question history repeats itself and and look at look at us today we're doing the exact same thing that has been repeated in every single generation on in human history in modern history in in medieval history and in ancient history we just continue to get bamboozled by these uh, these uh, these cults these priest classes and and now today it's the same thing it's just in a slightly different form a slightly updated form but nothing has changed nothing and has this changed. might you be and, and this might be humanity's Achilles heel, so to speak, that you just they, they've proven, like as Jordan Maxwell told me one time, humans have proven that they cannot protect themselves against organized evil. They seem to be like a wandering herd, just wandering around, doing what they do, making babies, doing their thing and totally unorganized. And then up in the mountains behind them you have just a handful of vicious cats that are extremely organized and they can create havoc in the entire herd and that doesn't seem to have ever changed and is it going to change can you i mean the good news i suppose is that you don't need all of us to get it done you probably need what eight to ten percent of humans to wake up and not stand for it and that's a sufficient number to get the job done that's right. Right. That's right. Yeah. It's like 10, 10% of people, uh, you know, need to, uh, need to be at the Vanguard and then uh, it's, it's almost game over. Right. Okay. Listen to this. We, listen to this. We're, we're coming in on 45 minutes. So I want to wrap it up here pretty soon, but I wanted to read sure. you this out of New Zealand. Here's mm-hmm. the, uh, I guess she's called the premier or the prime minister of New Zealand. The other day, she yeah. says, We are quarantining everyone. Now we are Mm -hmm. also mandating testing. That makes us the most stringent in the world. There are countries that are requiring self-isolation. We're taking it a bit further. If anyone moves into a common area or is getting some fresh air, which is all monitored, no one can do that on their own. They can only leave or be in a space to get a little bit of fresh air if they are supervised, because, of course, it's a quarantine facility. We've put in millions of dollars into supporting that to happen. I have a number of questions about people refusing. What do we do if somebody refuses to be tested? Well, they can't now. If someone refuses in our facilities to be tested, they have to keep staying. So they won't be allowed to leave after 14 days. They have to stay on for another 14 days. So oh this, this is coming out of the uh, premier, the woman in charge in New Zealand. Yeah. And based on what's going on in Australia, I have to ask myself, are they just going to roll out this thing backed up by the military and hope for the best? And maybe it'll yeah. work for them. Yeah. What do you think? You know, we have, God, see, like this, this is the problem. I mean, as much as there's pushback, these, uh, you know, these, these government institutions are just desperate, desperate to move the game plan along. 
and hope that you're not paying attention. Um, we, we have, you know, we're talking about like this testing, They're, they they want to ramp up the testing. The, the WHO uh, admitted in a press conference that um, asymptomatic, asymptomatic people, individuals that are asymptomatic who've, who've had contact are, are extremely rare transmitters of the of disease. Uh, they admitted that. And then the very next day after that press conference, um, they, <laughs> I guess, the whoever was speaking, um, the WHO, her uplines uh, got to her and said, oh, what are you doing? Why? No, no, no. You can't be saying that. No, no. And the very next day, tracked her statements. Like we're talking the very next day, you know, backpedaling. Like, oh, yeah. Oops. Um, I didn't really mean to suggest that asymptomatic people were rare transmitters <laughs> of a disease. You know, just just nonsense, utter utter rubbish. The truth just falls out. Some, even in the media, the truth just finds its way to the surface every once in a while, and when it does, you know, we got to be receptive to it. Like, whoa. Um. So, these people are lying to us. Okay, that that is not a secret. It, 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 these are lies. Um. When it comes to yeah, like what you're what you're talking about here, with what they're they're going to be forcing upon us this there's no easy answer to this um it really does come down to just flat out refusal you know just we we have to deny with every every thread of our fiber we just have to just deny and say say no and if enough people do it, that's the, that's the thing. If enough people do it, right, they have to amend. They have to change. Um, if, for example, I mean, I work in film, okay? And they're going to be rolling out, you know, all these different types of protocols for when we go back to work. Now, uh, let's just assume, let's, let's say that one of the protocols entails wearing, uh, wearing a mask, uh, at all times, let's just say they, they want to force you to wear a mask at all times if you're not on set. Well, if enough performers just absolutely refused to do that, if every single performer refused to comply with that, well, then the, the film can't get made because there are no performers, right? So it, at some point, something has to give and they'll have to, they'll have to, <laughs> they'll have to comply with that. It's like, I mean, look at, look at the, uh, the plant-based movement. You know, the vegan movement all across the world, enough people started to clamor for options that cater to a, a moralistic type of lifestyle, the vegan plant-based lifestyle. And what happened? You have, you know, vegan restaurants, vegan options popping up all over the world. Why? Because enough people clamored for it. Enough people demanded it. And it works in the opposite direction. If enough people refuse, there they there has to be a give somewhere. And yeah, the so, concern yeah, I, the concern I have with that is that in this particular case, my major concern is it's not yeah. like you're going to run out of people that are willing to put on a uniform, grab a gun, and pull it on their fellow human beings. It's not like you're going to run out of people that that will just justify their actions because I'm just following orders. It, it's right. That is the more than likely 80% of people will yeah. not. And you can go back to experiments, the Milgram experiment, 
uh, that type of stuff that yeah. it, it, you know, you're not going to run out of people that are willing to do whatever the government's bidding is. I would say though, on the bright side, sure. it's hard to get things done. Even if, even with all those people, Many, those people are usually cowards and just go with the flow. If they start experiencing yeah. tons and tons of pushback in whatever way, that creates a mm-hmm. big problem for them. And that's what we've got to do. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the end, you know, we have to be the problem for, for that. Right. right. Precisely. That's Precisely. So, all right, let's go ahead and wrap it up. I, I like to leave it with just basically a few solutions, some things that I've done. Basically I've, I would say yeah. if you can leave the big cities, get into the best shape of your life. Now is the time to do it. Clean up your diet. Uh, yeah. Refuse the mask. We talked about how important that is. I would say buy gold and silver. I've been saying that for a few months now. Get your cash yeah. out of the bank and either store yeah. cash or buy gold and silver. Um, read the poem If every morning. Read it before you go to huh. bed. Go to freedomtaker.com. There's a no consent to medical testing form there. Put that on your front door. If you can get everybody in your neighborhood to have the no consent to medical testing notice on their front door, when the tracers come knocking, they may just move on to the next neighborhood. So awesome. also there, they've got a <clears throat> refusal for the vaccine form and a couple other good things there. And then oh, do what we're doing to tr- and, and do what we've talked about here. You, you have your organizations in Canada. Whatever organizations you can use to raise the collective consciousness, do that. I can send people to your channel. Um, I think short of that and getting right with your God, whatever that is, is the best we can do right now. What did I forget? I, no, I agree. That's fantastic. We have to do... We have to do whatever is in our power to do that allows us to, you know, to live day-to-day life. Obviously, you know, you don't want to be, you wouldn't want to give advice saying like, okay, well, you know, uh, be a renegade and just, you know, knock down, you know, the uh, the government offices and start shouting because like that might land you in a lot of trouble. But what we can do constructively um, we sh- we have to do that keeps us safe. So all of these options are fantastic options. Take take control of your health. This is if the, now is the time. Okay, if you haven't done it before, now is the time because in doing so, you, that that is your rebellion. That is your rebellion against these these mandates because you, you can prove that you do not need to do what they tell you to do in order to be completely um, Im- immune from any bug, any sickness, any disease. Uh, I mean, I can, I, 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 it, government is not what has kept me healthy all these years. I, I can tell you, I haven't had as much as a sniffle, as, a, as much as a cold in years, years, because I took responsibility for, for my health. And everybody is in the same boat. Everyone can make that decision as well. Um, you know, it, taking care of your, your finances, being responsible with your finances, uh, all of these are, are all of them are, are going to help. And because we haven't reached that critical point yet, uh, doing what we're doing here, letting people know, exposing, just getting the word out. There's nothing to fear. 
right? Uh, uh, do what you can to spread word and, uh, you know, get communities involved, get people involved, uh, do what, whatever you can. Whatever you can, I think you everything you mentioned there was uh, was great, and and I think um, I think you're. I'd like to have you back to do a show just on the diet and exercise. That's where I sure. originally sure, went to your channel, but I think that's a major thing right there. If you can just become powerful in your own being and realize mm -hmm. you don't need anybody, that's what's so powerful mm -hmm. about the dry fast. Being able. Right. To wake up the next day after the first day you go 24 hours without food or water and realize yeah. just me and the universe, so to speak, we don't need anybody. We don't need anything from anybody. There's so much yeah. power there. And so that's where I would say what you said at the end of your virus and bacteria video. If you're interested mm -hmm. in building that type of power in yourself, I introduce you to the rest of my channel. <laughs> and that's where I would say anybody listening, go to the Free Melon Society channel on, on YouTube. If you start at the beginning and kind of work your way forward, you'll just see one, you'll have one epiphany after another, if you're anything like me, and there's a lot of good stuff there. By the time you get to the end of it, you will know more than nine of 10 men on earth, and you'll know what you need to do to make yourself sovereign in your being and get back to the way humans are supposed to be. Oh, yes. Yes. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, that's, that's exactly, that's exactly it. Uh, it, it that, that type of independence and sovereignty, self-sovereignty, it is, oh, it's so empowering, so empowering just to, to be able to know that, you know, nothing can touch adversity can't touch you in, in terms of health and whatnot. To be able to walk around free with with the confidence of a mountain that nothing will touch you, and because nothing can, <laughs> in terms of sickness and whatnot, you, you know, you, when you know how the thing works, you do not need hope anymore. You have knowledge to back back your back you up, uh, and to be able to get people to understand that they they can do the same thing is is very rewarding in itself. Um, right. You know, you know, okay. So, so let's go ahead and leave it there. I want to thank sure. you for taking the time, Eli. It's been great. I'd like to have you back in a month if you've got the time and we could do a show on health and fitness, assuming we're still alive, all of us. <laughs> it would be my pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for having me on your show, Jeff. Uh, really an honor. And of okay, course, so anytime you uh, reach out and um, and we can we can do another episode. Okay, so I'll send you the link to the show, so you'll have the link. Okay. You can promote it anywhere you want. I'll be putting it up on Twitter. Everybody, go to the Free Melon Society on my Twitter link. If you've got any questions, I'll be happy to answer them. So we'll leave it there and have a good night there, and talk to you next time. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much, my friend. Yeah, you have a good night as well. Okay. Bye bye. Okay.